Well, hello to you who are watching. My name is Mike and at Northwood Young Adults, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you clicked on this video that you did so with an open heart. Uh, so we're glad that you're watching. We're glad that you're here because you've been prayed and prepared for. Well, for, for the uh, foreseeable future, we are pivoting our Tuesday night gathering to an online experience due to the COVID-19 outbreak. And, you know, we care deeply about you coming to know Jesus better and going closer to Jesus. And though we can't meet in person, we're gonna make every effort that we can to help you do that. And uh, this will be one of the two main elements of Northwood Young Adults Online. The other being the launch of our new podcast, 20 for Your 20s, where we'll be discussing topics around culture and faith. And so be on the lookout for that. Well, tonight we are picking up where we left off and we are continuing our series, Tell Me About It. And it's been a great two weeks as we've talked about the, the, uh, the fact that sharing our faith is an act of love and how it's an act of obedience. And so tonight we're gonna see how sharing our faith is an act of determination. And so as we move forward into this call of sharing our faith, we're gonna get into more of the practical side of things. You know, I think it's one thing to understand how important our, our calling is to share our faith, but then it's a whole different beast to start thinking about, well, what do I actually say in the moment, right? Because it could be awkward, it, it could be offensive. You know, you, you may think, well, what if they ask me something I don't know? Or what if the relationship gets weird afterwards? You know, those are all legitimate concerns. And so that's why I wanted to make sure that that was something that we tried to tackle during this series. And I will say that evangelism is not just for the talkers of the world, not just for the outgoing, not just for the extroverts, okay? So, you know, while some aspects of it may come easier for people that love to talk, sharing the gospel isn't set aside just for them. Because all of us, regardless of personality, regardless of Enneagram number, we are by nature evangelists. You know, I guarantee that, you know, even if you are the most quiet and introverted person, that all it takes to get you talking is for someone to ask, what do you like to do and why? You know, you are always geared up and ready to talk about what you love and what you're passionate about. You know, that could be anything from sports to Dungeons and Dragons, uh, from reading to Netflix, from uh, anime to music, right? Uh, a few years ago, I was part of a, a mentorship program at College Park Middle, and one of the students was in seventh grade and he was so quiet. And when we would talk, it would be one-on-one -on -one and, and I kind of struggled to get him to talk until I asked him, what do you like to do? And he said, video games. And I said, okay, well, what's your favorite? And he said, Sims. And I've never played Sims a day in my life. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I don't really know anything about it. And then the floodgates opened. The kid loved to talk about Sims, which led him to talking about his schoolwork, which led him to talk about his family. It's because we are by nature evangelists. You know, we have no problem talking about a TV show that we like, a new band, a new movie, a new restaurant. People love to talk about what they love. And so tonight, we're gonna see how we can bring that same natural ability to sharing our faith and apply it to sharing our faith. So if you would, pray with me, and then we'll jump into this. God, I thank you so much for this message. God, I thank you for anybody who is watching this video, God, that your word would not return void without uh, going forward and doing what you've sent it forth to do. And so God, we trust your word to speak to us tonight. We thank you, God, that the, the grass withers and the flower fades, but your word remains forever. So God, we thank you for that. We pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Great. Well, if you would, turn to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter, we're going to be in chapter 3. And, uh, and as you're turning there, I'm going to give you some context. The, the book of 1 Peter is written by, you could probably guess, Peter. And, uh, and I've said before that I think 1 Peter is one of the most underrated books of the Bible. And I'm not sure if, if underrated is the right word, but it is definitely one of the most overlooked. This letter that, that Peter writes is so full of heavy hitting verses. And so we're going to actually pick up in the second half of chapter three tonight of First Peter, and we're going to be focusing on verses 13 to 17. And so this is First Peter 3, 13. This is what he says. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? And so Peter, he, he writes here and he says, man, who can harm you if you are zealous for what is good? And so just so that we're on the same page, we need to know what that word zealous means. You know, the word zeal and the word passion, passion is a word that we're a little bit more familiar with. Those two words are interchangeable. And so Peter says, who can harm you if you are zealous or passionate for what is good? You know, we talked at the beginning how we can easily talk about what we love and what we're passionate about. And so here in this verse, the question that arises is, man, what if we were passionate about what is good? right? The good of the world, the good of mankind, the good of your neighbor, the good of your family, the good of your friends, right? If you're going to be sold out for something, if you're going to be all in for something, go all in for good. You know, Peter is saying, if you constantly fight for the good, then what harm can come against you? And this, in a way, piggybacks off of last week's message. If we see sharing our faith as an act of love, to see people get off the path of hell and into a relationship with Jesus, then that is an act for the greater good, right? The greater good being eternal life. And then when it comes to these moments where the, the conversations are hard or, or where there is fear and doubt about what will happen, here we see that if we are zealous for good or zealous for the spread of the good news, then no one can harm us. You know, if things get weird, the conversation's hard, that's okay. By sharing your faith, you're doing what you believe is for the person's greater good. And man, how things would change in our Christian landscape today if we became zealous for good. You know, instead of being zealous for our own agenda or zealous for our own opinions or our own comfort and convenience, convenience but to instead be zealous for good over those le lesser things, that would revolutionize, especially the American church and what we stand for and how we're seen. So be determined to be zealous for good. As Peter continues, he gets into more of the practicalities of sharing our faith. So let's keep reading. This is 1 Peter 3, 14 to 16. This is what it says. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And so let's read verse 14 one more time. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And so as these verses continue, Peter says that even if you suffer for the sake of righteousness, you'll be blessed. And he says, don't have any fear. Don't be troubled. And I think that phrase, have no fear, is a lot easier said than done. You know, I think fear is one of the main things that keeps us from sharing our faith. You know, we're afraid of the conversation. We're afraid of maybe the reaction of the person. We're afraid of maybe a, a relational fallout that may happen. And so if we believe that the gospel is not just true for us, but true, 
then I would say that the underlying reason for not sharing our faith can always be boiled down to fear, to a fear of something. And so what do we do about this fear? Well, Peter tells us in verse 15, he continues and says this. He says, have no fear, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so he continues and he says, have no fear, but honor Christ in your hearts and always be prepared to tell people why you are the way that you are. And so through the lens of sharing our faith, the key I want us to see here is that phrase, always be prepared. You know, preparation is huge. I've had conversations with people before who are public speaking for the first time and they're really nervous, understandably so. I mean, it's a very nerve wracking thing. And I tell them what I always do when I'm nervous. If you wanna battle fear, pray and prepare the nerves away or pray and prepare the fear away. Be prepared to say what you wanna say and trust God to use you despite your weakness. And so a question for us tonight is this, how prepared are we to share our faith? Or how prepared are we to share our testimony, how we came to know Christ? How well can we articulate the gospel? Elliot Clark, an author, he says this. He says, while we demonstrate an incredible ability to proclaim the glories of endless earthly trivialities, we somehow stutter and stammer at the opportunity to speak with others about our heavenly hope. And so for us as Christians, you know, it would be a loss if we could speak endlessly on earthly things and stutter when it comes to the things of God. And what takes us even deeper and exposes the grace that God has with us on this is to look at who wrote these verses. This is Peter talking, a man that when he was asked if he knew Jesus, denied him three times. You know, that's one of the most well-known stories of cowardice and fear and betrayal of all time. And yet here he is telling us to have no fear and to be prepared to share the, the hope that we have. You know, of all people, he knows what both sides of the equation looks like. He knows what it's like to feel the fear, but he also knows how, uh, he also knows the, the boldness that it takes. He knows what it's like to not be prepared. And so he challenges us to do the opposite. And so as Peter continues in verse 15, he says to, to always be prepared, but yet do it with gentleness and respect. And man, that is a huge part of this. You know, I think you would agree that something our world needs more of is gentleness and respect. You know, a common saying is that the gospel moves at the speed of relationships. And that couldn't be more true. You know, as Christians, if we want anyone to ever listen to us, then we have to treat them with respect. You know, if we ever try to come across as smarter or more enlightened or holier than thou or more righteous, nobody is going to take what we believe seriously. You know, we talked about this not too long ago, but if we claim Christ, everything we do is a reflection of him. And so that's why Peter says to do this with gentleness and respect. You know, we are never going to argue someone into faith in Jesus. And we certainly are never going to do so if we don't treat them the way that they deserve to be treated. You know, studying theology or learning more about the things of God, it's great, it's useful. And I would encourage you to do that, but not at the expense of loving people. You know, treating people with gentleness and respect, it sets the stage to share the gospel with them. As we move into verse 16, I'll read it one more time. This is what it says, verse 16. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ may be put 
It's a shame. And so Peter says, have a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior will be, put, will be put to shame. And so in other words, let your life back up what you're saying so that what you're saying doesn't lose value. You know, the only way we'll ever be able to speak into people's lives is, this, is if we first listen. You know, the only way we will ever be able to share our faith effectively, effectively is if we first practice what we preach, right? The only way we will ever be able to share the gospel is if we show in the way that we live that it really does change your life. You know, we can make the gospel look really weak by the way that we live our lives. You know, that's what people call armchair quarterbacks. You know, people who sit and watch athletes on TV and tell them what to do, even though they're the ones sitting in the recliner. You know, if our lives don't back up the faith that we claim, and the faith that we share. We're like armchair Christians, right? We tell others what they should do, what they should believe, how they should live, but we ourselves are not doing those things. It weakens our witness. And so we should be doing the opposite, right? Instead of weakening our witness, instead of weakening your witness, what can you do to strengthen it? What can you do to improve it? You know, have you let Jesus in your life to the point where how you live is visibly different? You know, if you were to share your faith with someone in your life, would it come as a shock to them that you're a Christian? Or would it make sense by the way that you live? Let's keep reading. We'll see the last verse. Verse 17. It says this, 1 Peter 3, 17. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so he says it is better to suffer for good than for doing evil. And so Peter is telling us here that if there is something that you're going to lay your life down for, this is it. What greater cause than the cause of Christ? What greater cause than one that is eternal and everlasting? What greater cause than to see the name of Jesus spread to the world? You know, one thing I, I've noticed about our generation is that when it comes to our faith, when it comes to faith in Jesus, you know, we are either all in or we're all out. You know, because of increasing expendability of everything in life, the only way, you know, people our age do anything is because we care and value it enough to participate, right? If we don't like a TV show, pick another one. If we don't like an album, we can pick another one. If we don't like a, a movie, we can pick another one, right? You name it and we have access to it and not just access, but instant widespread access. And so when it comes to the faith of a person that is a millennial or part of Gen Z, there is no middle ground. Why would there be, right? If we don't see the value, we can easily move on to something else. But for those of us who do see the value, we're all in. You know, I believe as the, the Big C Church moves forward into the future, at least in our lifetime, I believe the days of lukewarm Christianity will dwindle. And let me tell you something, if you had not figured it out yet, that's a good thing. As a young adult in 2020, you are living in an unprecedented time in history. You know, we are a generation that will be found in history books and case studies because of how the world changed during our lifetime. And with the most recent example being the coronavirus pandemic, the church has a rare opportunity because in the middle of this chaos, we know the Prince of Peace. In the middle of this uncertainty, we know our God never leaves his throne. In the middle of this darkness, the church of Christ gets to shine even brighter. And that means you and me. If the world has ever needed Christians acting like Christ, the time is now. Decades from now, future generations of Christians are going to look back and take notice of how we responded to the crises of today. And will we be proud of what they see? Will they be inspired by what they see? The fear 
and the virus and the chaos, it will one day pass. But the stamp that Christians left on the world in its time of need will be remembered forever. That's why I would challenge you and I would challenge myself to live a life worthy of our calling, to be able to say confidently, follow me as I follow Christ, and to live a life that amplifies and glorifies the name of Jesus. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about a person or a place that we wanted to talk to about Jesus. We first identified them, and then we were challenged to sacrifice something for them. And this week, I wanna challenge you to start the conversation, to be bold, to be determined, to speak confidently about your faith, and to do so with gentleness and respect. You know, you might need to embrace the awkwardness a little or face the fear a little, but give it a shot this week. As I said last week, the response time for these messages, especially during this series, not in the form of a song, not in the form of a time of reflection, but instead the response is what happens when you walk out into the world. And I pray that you would take Peter's words to heart and you would be zealous for good, to be prepared and to have your life back up your words. You know, somebody's eternity can be changed by one conversation. And I pray that you can have that conversation. And so if you would pray with me, and then we'll close it, close it up. God, I thank you so much for this, this word that you gave Peter. God, such an example in him, God, where we see a man who did deny you three times and knows what it's like to fear and to run away. But God, the grace that you gave Peter for him to try again and God, be an example of boldness for us to see and follow. And so God, I pray for all of us, God, whoever's watching this video, God, that we would fill, be filled with boldness, be filled with strength, God, we be filled with your spirit to embrace the awkwardness, to embrace the fear, to face that fear. And God, see your name get spread to the nations, spread to the world, spread to our world, our families, our friends, schools and workplaces. So God, we trust you with that. And we pray, God, that we would be prepared, that we would take the steps necessary to know how to articulate the good news, to know to be proud and to celebrate and get excited over it. And that this watching world, especially in today's time, would know that something is different about us and it's because we have the hope of the world living inside of us. And we're not just keeping it inside, but we're letting it show outside of the walls of the church. So we love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, also to close, I want to, I want to point you to youngadults.guide because of the, the resources that are there and, the more, and more resources to come. Um, and so that's all we've got. Go change your world.